This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Welcome to Inside the Vatican with America Media. Each week, veteran Vatican reporter Gerard O'Connell and my colleague Colleen Dully take you behind the headlines for an intergenerational conversation on the biggest stories out of the Vatican. I'm Ricardo de Silva, in for Colleen this week, while she enjoys Mardi Gras celebrations. Obama Antula has become Argentina's first female saint. Pope Francis canonized her Sunday morning at the Vatican. Beatam Mariam Antoniam a Santo Joseph de Paz y Figueroa. Sandam es... A photo op that seemed impossible just two months ago. Argentina's Pope Francis greeting ultra-conservative President Javier Milei in the Vatican. The first woman saint from Argentina, Mamantula, was canonized at a mass in the Vatican this weekend, presided by Pope Francis. Javier Millet, the president of Argentina, was there for the celebration, despite his past vocal criticisms of fellow Argentinian Pope Francis. He and the Pope met this past Monday for an hour, and they appear to have hit it off. For the second time in a row, the role of women in the Catholic Church is being addressed at the Council of Cardinals. This time, an Anglican bishop, Joe Bailey Wells, was present. Pope Francis met again with his cardinal advisors, or the C9, as they're often referred to. The meeting continues a discussion started at their previous gathering on the church's feminine dimension. In attendance at the usually all-male meeting were three women, including an Anglican bishop. I'm Ricardo de Silva. This is Inside the Vatican. Good morning from a snowing New York, Jerry. Good afternoon from a bright and sunny Rome, Ricardo. Aren't you lucky? Spring has come, it seems. Well, Colleen mentioned the groundhog last week and that we were going to have an early spring. Doesn't appear that way. We're expecting four inches of snow today here in New York. We had big news this weekend. I'm sure you and Beta are rejoicing. Argentina has its first saint, Mamantula. How are you feeling? Well, it was a. Argentine weekend in Rome, because from Friday when the pilgrims arrived from Buenos Aires and other parts of Argentina, and Pope Francis met with them and talked about this woman saint who had been so close to the Jesuits from her teenage years, and who played an extraordinary role in, in the history of the country when the Jesuits were expelled in 1767. Jerry, we're going to get into the story of Mamantula later on, but I really want to talk to you about the presence of the Argentinian president, Javier Millet. We know that he has been a vocal critic of Pope Francis, and yet he was there. We saw images of him hugging Pope Francis. What, what are we to make of this? Well, Ricardo, this was really an extraordinary week because President Millet came from Israel. He's been thinking of becoming a Jew and his real mentor is, is a Jewish rabbi whom he has appointed as ambassador to Israel. So he arrived on Friday afternoon from Tel Aviv. He was here until Monday evening, last evening. We're, we're recording on Tuesday. 
he, he hadn't been to Rome before, it seems. So he visited the Colosseum and did other things that tourists would do. And then on Sunday morning, he turned up in St. Peter's Basilica. Francis arrived in the Basilica. He was already there. And they met for the first time and they embraced. Then Francis presided over the canonization ceremony. And when it was over, he went in his wheelchair to where the president was sitting. That's on the right side of Francis, very close to him. And with a big smile on his face, he stretched out his hands and he said, oh, you've had a haircut. Because the president is famous for having long hair and looking rather disheveled. And the president, he was a bit taken aback. No, I, I've just adjusted it a little. And then he said to the Pope, can I hug you? And he reached out and, the, and Francis said, yes, son, yes, like a prodigal son. Wow. And he really reached down and hugged and kissed the Pope. Afterwards, an uh, Argentine priest said to me, that is Mama Antula's first miracle. Jerry, I mean, just so that we can get a full sense of how epic this transformation is in many ways, what has President Millet said about Francis in the past? What are his criticisms? Ricardo, first of all, they had never met on the campaign trail in Argentina, Millet, who is an economist and presents himself as a, an anarcho-capitalist, in other words, a capitalist without rules, he doesn't have much respect for the state. He said the state is, shouldn't be interfering in the economy. And he was very critical on the campaign trail of Francis's social justice program. He called him, he was an imbecile for social justice. He said he was promoting communism. He was uh, the presence of the evil one in the economic field. But then the, you had to have a second round of voting for the presidency. Before the second round, he said, well, maybe I have said too much. I am prepared to ask forgiveness. The Pope, he's, he's a great man. If he, if he wishes, I will invite him to Argentina and give him full honors if he comes. And so... He was elected contrary to much of what was expected, even though many people think he's, he's a little crazy. For example, there were 18 government ministries and he has slashed them to nine. He's got a rather drastic social program because Argentina is a country three-tenths the size of the United States. Enormous. It's an enormous country. It is 46 million people. It is rich in minerals in natural resources, so rich. At the beginning of the 1900s, it was one of the richest countries in the world. Today, more than 40% are in dire poverty. The inflation is running more than 200%. So what are the issues that Pope Francis and President Millet disagree on when it comes to the socioeconomics and politics, perhaps, of Argentina? Well, basically, the great divide between the two is on the social justice question. Francis is for uh, that there must be greater solidarity, greater sharing. The, sh the state should be playing a greater role in lifting people out of poverty, providing jobs. Millet wants more liberal economics, give freedom to the market, give freedom to the companies, etc. And he seemed on the campaign trail to have little consideration for the poorer people. But many of them voted for him because they were fed up with the government that they had in these past 20 years, which had taken them really to 
deep poverty in the country. So they preferred the devils that they didn't know to the devil they knew. So let's turn now to the meeting with Pope Francis on Monday, which took place for over an hour. You've written an article about this, where you say this is a historic amount of time uh, for Pope Francis to spend privately with any one president. Yes, Millet is the fourth president to rule Argentina since Francis became Pope in 2013. Francis, when he was elected Pope, there was one president, Kirchner, a woman, her husband had been president before her. They had considered Francis the leader of the opposition in the country. So this was Francis as Cardinal Bergoglio in Argentina that she considered in direct opposition. Yes, absolutely, yes, before he became Pope. When he became Pope, he met, over these 10 years, he's met three presidents already. But there was always some tension between him and the presidents because they kind of felt that he was challenging them in a big way. So the surprise came on Sunday at the end of Mass when you had this enormous emotional embrace between the new president, who theoretically is on the antipodes to Francis in terms of social justice, but they seemed to connect. On Monday morning, nine o'clock, the president and the Pope sat down across the table from each other, again after a big embrace, and they had what we now know was a very calm, very fruitful, very friendly meeting. Do we know what they spoke about? We now know a little what they spoke about, not from the Vatican, but because Millet gave in interviews and he said, the Pope and I discussed a lot about the economic situation in the country. The Pope uh, is supporting me in my reforms, but he's extremely concerned about the situation of the poor and the disadvantaged. And last night, uh, Millet was in Italian television and he himself expressed his own personal concern. He says, we can't have a, have a country where millions of people are struggling to put food on their table. Maybe what has come out publicly and what is in, in the private conversation between Francis and him, it seemed to have gone very well because also the body language, as I wrote in my article, the body language at the end of the audience, which is often a revealing factor, was so positive. And Millet came out quite elated. And then he had a, an hour with the Pope's top advisors, the Secretary of State and the Secretary for Relations with States, Cardinal Barolin and Archbishop Gallagher, in an hour with them. And then the Vatican treated him to a visit to the real or, ornate rooms of the Vatican, including the famous Sistine Chapel. So he spent the morning in the Vatican, almost three hours. This kind of somehow took many in Argentina aback that there was this coming together between the Pope and himself. So he really received a president's welcome. Absolutely. It was an official state visit. He was given full honors, like, of course, Biden and before him, Trump were given by Francis. So th th this was really, I, I think, a, a remarkable moment. And I think it augurs very well for the influence that Francis can have on this new president who is really new to politics He's been about two or three years in the, in the Congress. So he, he's, he's an outsider to the political establishment in Argentina. And that is to his credit in the eyes of so many voters. He, he was really got a massive vote in the second round. 
So we know that Pope Francis has never returned to Argentina since his election as Pope. And we know that he wants to go back. We know that the situation has been tense between him and past presidents and even Millet. Millet has now extended an invitation three times. What do we know now about Pope Francis' potential to visit Argentina this year? It is possible, but Francis is not disclosing his cards at this moment. Francis has made clear that he's already committed to one big foreign travel, that is to Asia, where he will visit four countries, Indonesia, the Singapore, Timor-Leste, and Papua New Guinea, 10 days at the end of August. It's a very big, demanding trip, even for a person much younger than Francis. But he's committed to that, and the Vatican has sent an advance team to work out the details already. So that's going to happen. But Argentina, if it is to happen, it will be perhaps the last four months, either in September or November or December. So having left the best for last, let's talk about why Millet was in town. Tell me a little bit about Mamantula. Well, Millet came for the canonization of the first woman saint in Argentina. Francis has already canonized a man saint, but never in the history of the country has a woman saint been declared in this Catholic country. This is an extraordinary woman who was born in 1730. That's 300 years ago. She died 1799. 11 years before Argentina got its independence. And she was an advocate for the independence of the country. But as a young woman, she was one of three girls in the family, the eldest. She became very close to the Jesuits, which was the main religious order in the country. And they had schools. They had a church, obviously. They did a lot of work also defending the indigenous peoples with whom she grew up. Her name was Antonio. And the indigenous peoples around her with whom she made a lot of friends, called her Antula. So Antonia to Antula. And so she's become known as Mama Antula. Why? At the age of 15, she wanted somehow to work with the Jesuits. She felt a call. So she, along with other young girls and teenage girls and boys, they formed a group called the Beate, the Blessed as it were. And they worked alongside the Jesuits, and they would help them. The Jesuits did a lot of retreats. The, the spiritual exercises was a big instrument in the evangelization being carried forward by the Jesuits at that time. In 1767, she was 37 years old, when the King Charles III of Spain had the Jesuits expelled from the Spanish countries in the Americas, so out of Argentina. So they had to leave their missions, their schools, and their house for retreat. And she somehow felt called to take up the role that the Jesuits had. So she went around uh, preaching the retreats with immense success and also caring for the poor and the outcast, especially women who were on the margins of society. And she became quite well-known as a leading figure. And when she went to one of the cities south of where she was living, to Cordoba, she kept getting inv invitations from Buenos Aires. Please come to Buenos Aires. And she interpreted this as a, as a call from God. So they used to move around with a donkey and cart 
or walk barefoot. And she was not treated very well when she arrived. The bishop didn't like her. He didn't want to give her permission to do it. The civil authorities didn't want her to set up a mission in, in Buenos Aires. But gradually they saw, because of the way she was living and her outreach to the poor, they opened the, the doors to her. And she, so she began her mission in Buenos Aires. So in 1810, Argentina gained its independence. After she died, there was a lot of devotion to her, but then it kind of flagged a little. But in 1905, at the beginning, when Argentina was then a rich country, the bishops in the country said, we should promote her cause. They opened the cause. And then nothing so much happened. There was no miracles, nothing, until the last 25 years. When Archbishop Bergoglio took over as Archbishop of Buenos Aires, he, he promoted the cause. In 2016, when he was Pope, you had the first miracle, the cure of a nun. In 2023, you had the second miracle, a man who had a serious stroke in October 2023, last year, and Pope Francis decided that the date of the canonizations should be the 11th of February, the anniversary of the first apparitions of Our Lady in Lourdes. He wasted no time. He wasted no time. He was very keen because he was one who's been deeply involved in giving the spiritual exercises in his life. And here was a woman who, if the Jesuits had not been kicked out of Argentina and the Americas, would never have gone on to give so many spiritual exercises and open a house of retreats. Because at that time, women did not have a voice in the church. They did not take decisions. They did not have lead roles in that way. One of the people said to me, she would have been effectively a domestic help for the Jesuits. But God in his own, his own way of opening roads to women, the Jesuits got kicked out and she had to take their place in promoting the spiritual exercises throughout Argentina. And he was linking her example for the type of woman that the Synod is talking about. And he said she was very uh, devoted to St. Joseph and to the Eucharist, but she was also a woman who reached out to the poor, the outcasts, and those on the mar margins of society, especially the women who are outcasts. So she, she, in a way, symbolizes the church that Bergoglio is promoting, the field hospital type of church that reaches out to people. Jerry, I'm going to pause us there because I think this is a really good time for us to take a break. And when we return, significant strides were made with Mamantula, but the church is still working on improving the role and the ministry of women. And Pope Francis had a meeting, as we know, with his C9 cardinals last week, where this was the very dimension that was being addressed. So when we come back, we'll look at what happened at that meeting and who the women present were. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. 
Welcome back. So as I mentioned before the break, Pope Francis met with his C9 Cardinal Advisors last week. This was the second meeting in a series of meetings. He had a meeting last December where two women were present to discuss the feminine dimension of the church. One of those women, Sister Linda Pocher, was present again at this meeting, along with two other women. Tell me about the two others who were present and even of Sister Linda herself. Who are these women? Well, Sister Linda is quite a fascinating character because she's a Salesian nun. She's, I think, 43 years old. Uh, Francis obviously has great respect for her. And she attended the first meeting. She teaches theology in, in and Mariology in one of the Rome Pontifical Universities, the Salesian University Auxilium. Uh, Francis asked her he, he to attend the last December's meeting, and he asked her to organize the presence of other women at this February meeting of the Council of Cardinals. So she brought two other women, one another Italian woman from roughly the same area, who is a consecrated virgin, Giulia di Berardino, and an Anglican bishop, the Reverend Joe Bailey Wells, graduate of Cambridge, who is married to an Anglican priest, who is a graduate of Oxford, and who herself taught in the United States, Duke University, North Carolina, and also in Minnesota in another college. And while she was in the United States, she was 25, 26, 27 years old, she felt the vocation to become a priest. So she went on. And at that time, the Anglicans, when she started studying, the Anglican Church of England had not yet accepted to have priests. But she became a priest in, in, among the first batch in 1995. So, I mean, that's really interesting. Just to recap, we have one with a history of Mariology, another one who has expertise in liturgy, and then we have the Anglican bishop who herself is an ordained woman uh, in uh, the Christian tradition. And a theologian, a, a biblical expert. And one of the women was a married woman, woman also uh, Bishop Bailey Wells. She has two children. So she's a married woman with two children. Sister Linda invited her to explain how the Anglicans came to ordain women and how that changed the church. Along with Lucia Ventini, who, who was at the December meeting, and a priest, Father Luca Castiglioni, they published a book last year titled Demasculinizing the Church, Critical Comparisons on the Principles of Hans Urs von Balthasar, another theologian. Uh, so this is very much their area of interest, and they are pursuing questions around the role of women in the church. Yes, and I think this is the very interesting thing, that Francis, obviously, after reforming the Roman Curia and separating sacrament of orders from the power of governance in the church, the reason why Francis has been up to now against the ordination of women is based on this understanding, apart from the tradition of the church, but also on the interpretation given by famous theologian Van Balthasar, who spoke about the Petrine dimension of the church and the Marian dimension. Which Pope Francis spoke about in his interview with America two years ago. 
Yes, and he used that that the Marian dimension was for the role of women, etc. But it did not include the role of orders, which was the patron dimension. Now, Sister Linda, it's very interesting the Pope brought her back twice. She really is challenging this uh, position. She's saying that in reality, men and women can have both dimensions. And I, I think this is very interesting that the Pope himself understands this is the interpretation of one theologian. Maybe there are other interpretations. And Sister Linda said that the Pope is open to the establishment of the women, diaconate for women, but he's looking for ways that how it can be put into practice. Now, I, I think this is a whole other question that's opening up, but that Francis dedicates part of two meetings of the Council of Cardinal Advisors, the one in December 2023, the one in February 2024, and possibly another one later on, to this question of how you open space for women to have roles of responsibility in the church. And if I read correctly, Sister Linda said, we're not talking about the ordination of women as priests. But Francis is clearly talking about the possibility of recognizing women as deacons. Now, it could mean that he is separating the diaconate from the path to priesthood. Which it, it already has through the permanent diaconate, right? The ordained permanent diaconate of men means that they don't become priests thereafter. Yes, what Francis is basically saying, I think, and of course this will be a question that will be returned to in the Synod, because the Synod has asked for feedback from the two commissions that Francis has set up to study the question of the diaconate for women. They are expected to provide their findings, and it seems to me that that's certainly going to be a question, and maybe there will be more study on it from the theologian's point of view by the time we reach October. Francis is making clear, however, that women have many roles to play in the church, and there can be more ministries that women can have, but also roles of responsibility, including in decision-making positions. And he's now got, you know, you might say a bee in his bonnet, if you wish, that he wants somehow to bring about a significant shift in how the church gives roles to women. Which which I think we have to say. I mean, Pope Francis already has done that, uh, you know, through the reform of the Roman Curia, particularly where he has given these roles to women. There is still a long way to go. But if there's something that's encouraging for me in all of this is to actually see that discussions that took place at the Synod, where we were asked to pursue greater knowledge on these issues, to have more conversations around them, are actually taking place at the highest levels of the Vatican in these you know, senior meetings between cardinals and the Pope. And so that he is seeking this kind of advice really bodes well uh, for the future of this question. Yes, Ricardo, I, I'll go back to get our audience to remember that this started with the Second Vatican Council. And it was followed up by a synod on the role of the lay people in the church in 1987, where the role of women was already discussed. 
So it, it is something that is another fruit of the Second Vatican Council that we're learning more how the church could be and can be. But the question of you know women's ordination or or priesthood for that matter, that was a question that had been silenced by Pope John Paul II and 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 followed from then on through Pope Benedict. And it appeared through Francis, um, but he has more recently opened up that discussion again. No, on the question of the ordination of women as priests, Francis has been very clear that he stands with the position taken by John Paul II. But Francis is opening up a whole other area. He, he doesn't see, and Sister Linda is very clear on it, she said in, in some interviews, that the question of the ordination of women as priests is not on the agenda. But the question of women as deacons, is very much on the agenda. But re it remains to see how deacons are understood. Because in the early church, when you go back and read the Acts of the Apostles, you had the apostles having one role. They were preaching the gospel and doing other things. You had the deacons set up specifically to provide service to those in need and others in the church. So it was set up as a certain separate thing. And I think this is where Francis is going. There was one thing that came up from the meeting. Cardinal Lacroix uh, of Quebec, also the primate of Canada, uh, who is currently facing allegations of abuse in a class action lawsuit in Canada, and has announced that he will step back from ministry until that has been reviewed by the authorities and investigated, was present for that meeting because he is part of the C9. How do we explain that? Well, for example, Cardinal Pell in Rome was present at meetings, and he was a member of the C9, even when he was under investigation, it seemed much more serious in Australia. That's a good point. But what provisions are there that allow him to remain in ministry when he has said publicly that he won't remain in ministry? What he has done is he has stepped aside as Archbishop of Quebec, from his ministry as Archbishop of Quebec, until the whole question is resolved. And he didn't have to do that, because he was not obliged by the Vos Estis, the document of Francis, to do that. It's the very early days, we don't have much information at this point, but uh, obviously allegations will have to be checked and done, and, and that is envisaged by the present legislation in the church. Well, thank you for clarifying that. Jerry, it's been good to stand in again after a long time to be in for Colleen. I hope she's enjoying those celebrations. Colleen, we hope you're hearing this. You will be back with her, I hope, next week. Yes, we'll be in Lent because Lent starts on Wednesday and when our audience tunes into this, it will be Lenten period. And so we wish people a fruitful Lent. I'll just take this opportunity to invite our listeners again to listen to our conversation on Preach with Cardinal Arthur Roach, who speaks about the season of Lent and Ash Wednesday, which is available now wherever you listen to podcasts. That's where you can hear my voice weekly. Colleen will be back with you next week. Inside the Vatican is a production of America Media. This episode was produced by Maggie Van Dorn. Audio engineering by Kevin Christopher Robles. With production assistance from Delaney Coyne, our O'Hare Media Fellow. Our executive producer is Sebastian Gomes. 
To keep up with the latest news out of the Vatican, please follow us on X at INSDE Vatican Pod. That's inside without the second I, Vatican Pod. You can also follow me on X at RickDSSJ, Colleen at Colleen Dully, and Jerry at Jerry O. Rome. That's Rome, R O M E. And please consider becoming a digital subscriber this Lent. Click on the link in the show notes. It's easy to do and the best way to support our work here on Inside the Vatican. If you have a little time to spare, leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. For America Media, I'm Ricardo De Silva with Gerard O'Connell. Colleen will be back with you and Jerry next week. We'll see you next time.